Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Hey Amen. You guys can be seated. Can we thank Stephen and Melissa this morning? Good night. Melissa, I need to just give you the microphone. You were preaching. I was like, girl, just keep going. Just keep going. The Lord's speaking. So thank you guys for being here this morning and Merry Christmas. Like when, let me, let me help y'all. No, 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 no. We'll take a minute here. Let me help you. When someone says Merry Christmas to you over the course of the next 21 days or however many there are, 19, thank you. You say Merry Christmas back. So let's try that again. Hey, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, good morning and welcome to Vestal Collective Church. Uh, If you're new here, my name is Jake Toman and I serve as the lead pastor of this wonderful church. And I want to take a moment to just thank our uh, our tech team and our worship team uh, for just a sec. Can y'all say thank you to them? And our load in and load out guys. So we've been in the boardroom. This is our first Sunday back uh, coming down here. And I know it seems easy, but all the stuff that they do and their expertise is invaluable because it takes more more work to set up in this room. It takes uh, more coordinating to get everything working properly with our audio and visual and and our worship team. Um, But to be in here, we can have more space to social distance. There's more room to invite more people. So thank y'all to that team for being here. So as we start this morning, we're we're entering into a season uh, called Advent. And I don't know what your context of, of church is like growing up, One of the things that I love about The Vessel is we are a very diverse group in a lot of different ways. We've got a lot of diversity. And one of those ways is we've got a lot of diversity as a a body as far as background of church. And we've got got all the way from the spectrum of no background of church all the way through to I grew up in church and I did all these things and all these traditions to people that uh, were pastor's kids, uh, you got to watch out for those. We've got multiple of those in the room. To those who maybe have felt pain and hurt by the church. And it's really beautiful the way the Lord has been so gracious to bring us together. And unity being one of our core values is not just about us being unified or, or on, on you know what we think or how we feel, but it's about unity in Christ. And it's about how God brings together the body perfectly. So one thing that when I was a kid, I grew up in the Methodist church, is we always celebrated Advent. And so Advent to me was really significant, really special. And so we're entering into this Advent season. So over the next three Sundays, as well as Christmas Eve, uh, we'll have a service in here. We're going to be lighting an Advent wreath. We're going to be focusing on some different things. And here's what I want to say. And this is, our, this is our advertisement before the message. This is the commercial. Like, you know, you get on YouTube and they play something before your video, you can't skip this one. There's no skip button. I want you to engage. As I woke up this morning and spent my time with the Lord um, this morning, that is my prayer, is that during this season, during this Advent season, we engage with the Lord. And so we're doing lots of things here at the Vessel as this year has been so tumultuous, so difficult, so different. And then as we look out and look at what's next, life is different. 
And we're standing on this cusp in this moment where we don't know exactly what that looks like. But I want you to take a moment as a family, as an individual, as a person and engage with the Lord like you never have before during Advent. And I promise you, I can guarantee this, you will grow closer to the Lord if you're intentional and you engage. And I don't know where you are in that journey. I don't know the, the pain that you've been through. I don't know what you've experienced. I don't know where you are on that journey, but I promise you that if you engage with the Lord during this time, during this Christmas season, that you will go closer to him. So a few ways we're doing that. One is we have this Advent calendar. You should have one on your seat. There's also some at our guest services table on your way out. Please, please, please take this home. And on these, we have something for you to do every day. Every week, we're having uh, some themes and that sort of stuff. Lindsay, if you could put those four themes up there. Here's what we're focusing on during Advent. This week, as Stephen said, we're focusing on hope. At, after today, beginning Monday morning, tomorrow, we're going to be focusing on anticipation. The week after that, and then we, we conclude by teaching on that on Sunday. The week after that, we're going to be focused on faith. And then finally, joy on Christmas Eve. And so uh, those are gonna be our, our focuses of those weeks. And we have things for you every single week to engage with. And even if you haven't started, you didn't get one last week or you skipped a few days, it's okay. There's no rules. No one's checking a box here. Uh, but take one of these homes and please do them with, a fa- with your family. I mean, we even, we had friends over on Friday night, uh, some really dear friends of ours. And so uh, they were there and we, we got up the advent calendar and as our kids and uh, our families, we read Psalm 85. And it was really sweet. And it was funny because what Melissa said was so true. We, we asked the kids after reading Psalm 85, we said, hey, what are you, what are you hoping for? What do you, if we're gonna pray, what are you hoping for? And so we have little children. So one of them said, V-Bucks. Now, I don't know if you know what V-Bucks are, but they're a Fortnite, a video game. So V-Bucks. The next kid was like, $100. I mean, he just won that. I'm hoping for $100. And rather than scolding them, be like, no, we, we laughed and talked about it and talked about what it looks like to hope in Christ. But we want you to engage. The other thing that we're gonna be doing um, is we have a tree. This is a Christmas tree. And so one of the things about a Christmas tree is... Uh, it's, it's one of the traditions that we do at Christmas time. And we set it up, we decorate it, we gather around it, we put presents under it. And on Christmas morning, we come together as a family and we gather around the Christmas tree. And so we got this tree to represent that same thing. And so this Christmas tree is, uh, for our church, is to be interacted with. And so every week we're gonna have this tree out and we're gonna have something for you to do. So the thing to do this week is to just look at a Christmas tree that's undecorated and unlit without gifts. Next Sunday, you are going to bring an ornament. It can be from your own tree. It can be made. It can be bought. Please don't go out and buy an ornament unless the Lord tells you to. Uh, whatever it is. And so next Sunday during service, we're gonna have a time where we come up and everyone comes up and we decorate this tree. It's gonna be distance. We're gonna take our time and space. And you're gonna come in next Sunday morning. You're gonna come and hang your ornament on this tree. The Sunday after that, we're gonna be, um, we're gonna be uh, having gifts. And I'll give you instruction next week. We're gonna put gifts under the tree. And then on Christmas Eve, we're gonna light this tree. And it's something for us to do together. 
What are some other Christmas traditions that you love? This is the interaction portion. We've got a Christmas tree. We've got Advent wreath. What are some other things that you love about Christmas to do every year? Trey, Travion. Eating. That's right. See, when you're 21 years old and you're young, you can eat. Yeah, there's no worries. But mine is too, buddy. Eating. What else? Caroling. Singing Christmas carols. That's right. We're going to do some of that. What else do you love to do during Christmas? What is it? Hallmark movies. You and Shay Shay, Serena, you come on over. Y'all can watch all the Hallmark movies you want. What else? Stockings, right? Putting stockings up on the wall. Do you know that stockings, you're to put an orange in the toe of the stocking as a, anyways, I'm going to get off on a rabbit trail. Go ahead. What else? That's it. Making what? Yeah, cookies for Santa. Did y'all say cookies? Yeah, perfect. Making cookies, all those sort of things. Watching Christmas movie, all this sort of So that's, our, that's the spirit is we want to engage and want to include some of those things. So one of those things that we do, we mentioned, uh, Serena said Hallmark movies, but we watch Christmas movies and we watch the same one every year. And my favorite Christmas movie is Home Alone. And if your favorite Christmas movie is Home Alone, go ahead and raise your hand. And if you prefer something else, that's okay. You're wrong. So there's four of us that are correct. So Home Alone is my favorite Christmas movie. I can quote all the things. But we watch it every year, right? And it's this thing that we know what happens. We know how the story ends. We know the movie. I can quote along, look what you did, you little jerk. You know, I mean, I, the, the kids hate it because, I mean, I could quote the whole movie. And, and I'm not a movie guy, but I love Home Alone. But the same thing is we read Christmas stories, right? The... Um, What's the one night, night before Christmas, right? We read all these Christmas stories and we know the story and we know how it goes. The same is true about scripture. That every year during Advent, we read the same story. We know how it goes. We know what happens. We know how it ends. We know the characters. And so we're gonna do that. We're gonna read this Christmas story. But what I want you to do is to engage. And it's a story that we read again and again because as I was talking to someone this week, it's the greatest story ever told. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna read this story this morning to you. And we're gonna start, and each week we're gonna read the story. And it's gonna look a little bit different, and so I want you to humor me and engage as I have my beautiful and talented friend Shelby Parker up here. Yeah, that's where you clap. And she's going to play some music, and I'm going to read this Christmas story. And so as I read it, we're going to put some images up on the screen. And I want it to be like we're reading a Christmas story. I'm going to read. It's the same scripture that Stephen and Melissa read. I'm going to read it out of Isaiah chapter 9. And I want you to think about it almost like, and if you're at church at home and you're on your, you know, your couch participating through church home, you're perfect. You can get coffee, grab a blanket. It's like we're reading a Christmas story. So I'm going to read that. Miss Parker's going to play us a song. You can guess the song after it's over. And so as she starts playing, and as Lindsay puts up some um, images, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. We're reading this story in Isaiah, and Scripture and the Christmas story always starts in Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is given, for unto us a son is born. And so to understand why that story is a story of hope, I want you to think about, to understand why that story is a story of hope, you need to know what's happening 
and what's going on. Does she need some help, Mr. Gall? Gary's helping because I see Shelby playing. And yeah, there we have some screen. All right, so there it is. Okay, I want you to think about God's people. I want you to imagine yourself in this story that it's 700 years before Christ, that you're a Jew, that you're living in Judah, that God's people, which you are included, have in a large and broad sense wandered away from God. They've forsaken their faith. They've forsaken their righteousness and following Jesus Christ. And they've wandered away from God. And your country is in danger. Your country's in danger. The Assyrian army is on the cusp of attacking you. That there is fear, that you are scared. And then there's this man that's a prophet Isaiah. And he's well-written, he's well-spoken, he's well-read, he's well-respected. And he's a prophet from the Lord. And God's people are listening to him. And here's this Assyrian empire that's waiting to attack and bring complete and total destruction to your people. And your people have walked away from God. Isaiah prophesies, he says, and this is Isaiah 8, he says, prepare for battle and be shattered. Exclamation point. Again, he says, prepare for battle and be shattered. That's what you're up against. Within his own people, within God's own people and the Jewish people, there's division, there's rumors, there's conspiracies among God's people. Does that sound familiar? Isaiah 8, 12 actually says, do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The God's people have left him and they're seeking mediums and fortune tellers and gypsies and spiritists, anyone that can give them hope. And God's people are facing distress, hunger, Rage, famine. The word literally says they're looking upward and they curse their God and they curse their king and darkness has come across the land that they are feeling utter and complete and total dread. They are hopeless. In Isaiah 9, the Lord says this. At the end of 8, it says they're frustrated and famished. They try one thing after another. When nothing works, they get angry, cursing this God and that one. Looking this way and that, up, down, sideways, and see nothing. A blank wall, an empty hole. They end up in the dark with nothing. God prophesies through Isaiah and says this. It says, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those who live in the land of deep shadows, light, sunburst of light. You repopulated the nation. You expanded its joy. Oh, they're so glad in your presence. Festival joy. The joy of a great celebration, sharing rich gifts and warm greetings. The abuse of oppressors and cruelty of tyrants. 
all their whips and clubs and curses is gone, done away with. A deliverance as surprising as this and sudden as Gideon's old victory over Midian. The boots of all those invading troops, along with their shirts soaked with innocent blood, will be piled in a heap and burned, a fire that will burn for days. For a child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His name will be Amazing Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. His ruling authority will grow. There will be no limits to the peace that he brings. He'll rule from the historic David throne over the promised kingdom. He'll put that kingdom on firm footing and keep it going with fair dealings and right living, beginning now and lasting forever. The zeal of the God of the angel armies will do these things. Amen. Let's pray. God, I praise you for the hope that you bring. God, I thank you that a story that's as old as time, God, can give me goosebumps, can give me hope, can bring me out of despair. God, that saves us from darkness. God, I pray that your hope go forth out of this room and in our hearts and our lives like never before in a time in a world that is desperate. God, in a, in a landscape of the world that is hopeless. Jesus, you offer hope. God, like light bursting forth and your reign and your kingdom doesn't rule for four years. God doesn't rule for eight years, rules forever. God, we praise you for who you are. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Awesome. Can we give it up for Shelby Parker? Thank you, Shelby. Okay, so a few things from the story that I want us to look at today. And I wanted to start with that spirit. So every week we're going to look at the story of this, this greatest story ever told. And we're going to try to be super reflective, intentional about engaging, looking at it. But in this story and in this message of hope and the scripture in Isaiah chapter nine, there's several things I want us to look at today. And, and so I don't want to take a ton of time, but I want us to look at, I want to encourage you this morning that first and foremost, as we think about hope during Advent, I want you to know that Christmas begins with hope. Christmas begins with hope. There's a reason that every time you've ever heard the Christmas story, it starts 700 years before Christ. It starts with this verse, unto us a child is born, a son is given. And like any, Serena said, like any Hallmark movie that you've ever watched and secretly loved on Netflix or on the Hallmark channel, it's a story that starts with despair, with trouble, with pain, with difficulty. You've always have a character that is literally bah humbug, right? That this is, humbug literally means fraud or foolishness. It's saying all this is foolishness. And our story begins the same as that we've got God's people that are hopeless. 
that have turned away from the Lord. And if that's not more prevalent now than ever before, I don't know what it is. And in verse two, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And literally what it says there, and that's, that verse it says, those living in the land of deep darkness, it, it literally means people that dwell in the land of the shadow of death. That that word, I know it seems extreme, it translates to death shadow, death shadow. And that's not the only place in the Old Testament that you've heard that word. It's the same word that in, in Psalm 23 that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it is this death shadow, that that is where God's people are. And so the story of hope and, and Isaiah chapter nine begins with this, with this birth of hope and this breaking of light. And so part of the problem, I think, is that we don't necessarily walk and see the weight of our sins and the weight of death. And so a lot of times we often give the devil too much credit, but we don't give the uh, death enough. And every great story, as much as it has a protagonist, has an antagonist. And so these Jewish people understood death, that they literally stood in the shadow, in the death shadow. And you, you fast forward to 2020, we don't feel that as much. We don't experience, we don't understand what hopelessness truly means. But I would say that one, if one thing COVID has done, it's changed our perspective a bit. It's given us a little bit of a renewed sense of looking at life and weighing that against death and considering how our own actions have impact on life and death. And that's not something that we in 2019 or however long we've lived before have really ever dealt with. But this story starts with this moment of darkness, this moment of death. And COVID has, in some sense, given us a fresh perspective on that. I saw my 91-year-old grandmother recently, um, and we were talking. I had a mask on, and we were distanced, and I was talking with her. And she was just reflecting on how difficult all the COVID stuff has been in this year and, and the challenges and the difficulties. And she's like, gosh, can you believe it? I said, I, I said, her name's Ma. I mean, her, name, her name is Dorothy. I call her Ma. So I know Ma. That's so hard and such a difficult year. And so I asked her at one point, we were talking. I said, Ma, tell me this. She's, I said, what's been worse, COVID or World War II? And without a doubt, without hesitation, she immediately responded. She's like, World War II, for sure. As difficult as this has been, she said, we had no idea if the people we love were even alive. And like as, as difficult as this has been. And so I think that, you know, you start the Christmas story and you think, gosh, this is a downer. Like this is Christmas time, warm and fuzzy. And we're talking about death. But I think hope comes out of hopelessness. That light shines brightest in the darkness. That, that if we are to have hope, it's giving us hope from something. And that's really where this story starts. And that's why we begin Christmas and the story of Advent and the story of Jesus and the Savior being born begins with the story of hope. It's taking us out of something. And, and we as Christ followers, we get to live in that. And we get to think about that. We get to reflect on that. We get to begin that way. The Shelby was playing the song what? Oh, Holy Night. 
right? A holy night. And there's a line in that song. If that is not one of the most worshipful songs I've ever heard, I don't know what is. And there's a line in that song that says, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. And man, what a beautiful line of that hope. And the story of hope is thrilling that we, we, we experience this thrilling thing that we celebrate and remember every year, this hope that was given. And I was talking with a friend this week about that very line, and she was saying what she loves, that idea of a thrill of hope, but she says it's interesting that it follows a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. She said it's not the joyous world, the excited world, the weary world rejoices. So I want you to know, friends, the Advent and this message in Isaiah begins with hope. The second thing is, is that Christmas doesn't just start with hope, but Christmas celebrates hope. In verse three, the prophet says this, it says, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulder the rod of their oppressor. And so as we celebrate, we think about hope, I want you to know that part of it is a celebration of the hope that we have. And the prophet here in, in Isaiah 9 lists kind of three different ways that we celebrate that and three different types of celebration. The first thing it says is it says that we have this harvest celebration. It's literally celebrating the fruit of our labor. It says, they rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. Now in scripture, you, you probably know that the harvest and this idea of harvest is very important. Very, it's, it's kind of a thread that runs through the entirety of God's word and how important this idea of a harvest is. And we, although we don't live in agrarian society like they did back then, now while we don't understand the weight that it has, we can understand intellectually why the harvest matters. And we as Christ followers, we celebrate in that harvest all the time. We talk about giving. You give of your first fruits, right? The first of your harvest. When, you get, when you're called to give and tithe to the Lord, you give of what is first. That's why you, you tithe at the beginning of your paycheck, not at the end of your paycheck. You also don't do it at the end because when you get to the end, there's no fruit left, Right? I know it's a silly example, but that's something that we can understand. And even you think about Christmas and giving gifts under the tree. If, for, for scripture talks about when we give of our first fruits and we, we give to the Lord this, this harvest, it's a celebration for God loves a cheerful giver. Imagine if you were to go and I was to get a gift for Stephen and I was like, here you go. You know, I was to give him this gift and walk away. Is that a cheerful giver? Am I, am I being a cheerful giver? no. Man, you give a gift to someone, you're excited. You want to see them open it. You've thought about them. You're excited. If you haven't had kids yet and you're in here, Jacob and Faith, Sean and Casey and others, let me go ahead and tell you, Christmas is better as a parent because it's so, Jacob and Shelby, I didn't forget about y'all. It's so much better to watch and to be with your children as they celebrate Christmas. It's so exciting. And that's part of our, we had this celebration during Christmas that we celebrate the hope that we have, that it is this harvest celebration. Matthew 9, 37 and 38, as Jesus looks upon his people, and he says, they are sheep without a shepherd. 
He says this, and then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest there therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. Amen, right? That's not sowing seed. You guys understand what we get to do? We get to reap harvest. He didn't say, man, go out there and the ground is hard and we need workers to plow the field and bang up the soil and put the seed in and plant and wait and be patient and pray there's no freeze and that we lose the whole crop. He says the harvest is here. And we get to go out and we get to reap the harvest. And that when we celebrate hope, we celebrate that what the Lord has done. It's not work that we've done. All we are is gatherers of that harvest. So when we celebrate Christmas, it's a harvest celebration. We're celebrating the hope that the Lord has done and what he has given. Not only that, but it's a victory celebration. It's celebrating a hard-fought battle or victory. As the scripture says, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. I want you to imagine coming off a battlefield, having just won this amazing victory, the people that you love being saved and there being freedom in that. And I want you to know, we as Christ followers, we engage in battle every day. Every day we engage in war. But man, we have the Lord on our side and we are not fighting alone. In 2006, the Texas Longhorn University won a national championship. Well, thank you, Stephen. Gonna amen for that. Well, here we are, however many years later, and it's been a disaster, right? Not a disaster, come on, we had some good years. But I graduated in 2006 from UT. It was the greatest to be a Longhorn fan then. And now here I am, like, this is terrible. This is terrible. But you see, our victory in Christ, there's not another season. There's not another end. The victory is one complete and full, that the battle has been won. Amen. And we celebrate that. We celebrate that victory that we have in Jesus Christ. And we as Christ followers, when we get to Advent, we get to remember that. We get to celebrate being victorious, right? A lot better than any stupid Longhorn football team. And we are like Marty McFly and Back to the Future with the sports almanac. We know the outcome of the game, right? And we get to celebrate that. We don't have to wonder if we win. We don't have to look at the world with COVID and division and brokenness and wars and hate and persecution and prejudices and think what happens. In Jesus, there is victory. And we celebrate that hope every year. And the last type of celebration is a freedom celebration. The Lord says, and the prophet says, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. We as Americans are very proud of our freedom, that we are free people, and we should be. And I want you to know that we don't truly understand what it looks like to be enslaved unless we look at our sin. And once we realize that, that the victory and the freedom that we celebrate is celebration from the freedom from sin. And it reminds us that that's the type of celebration we have. We have this freedom celebration, being free from the first time. So not only does Christmas begin with hope, not only does Christmas celebrate hope, lastly, Christmas strengthens our hope. 2020 
has been a challenging year. Agreed? Let's all raise our hand if we agree. Perfect. And I want you to consider for a moment as we think about hope, has the difficult year that we've been through, the trials, the storms, the troubles, has your hope in Jesus been strengthened or weakened? Because I, was, I would argue that as things get more difficult, so our hope strengthens. That as we look around at the world and the difficulty, we should have more joy in our hope. We should have more celebration in our hope. We should look at the hope that we have in Jesus Christ with greater regard when it is trouble because trouble and storms and trials and lives, they will come. The word of God promises that. Jesus promises us in this life, you will have trouble. Amen. And we as Christ followers, we look around the world around us and we look at all the despair and all the brokenness and our hope should be strengthened in that. Now, don't get me wrong. That does not mean you can't struggle. That doesn't mean that you can't have a hard time. People are struggling during this time. And just because you're struggling or something is difficult or you're going through and you're feeling the trouble does not mean you don't have hope because the hope that we have transcends all understanding. The joy that we have in Jesus Christ transcends everything that we're feeling in our life, everything that's happening here on this earth. And verse six says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the one, this is the verse. You've read it in a greeting card. You could quote it as I was reading it. You are told it as a child. You read it last Christmas. This is the one. This is the one that strengthens our hope because as we look at the world, I will give you the end of the story. Spoiler alert. It doesn't end well. This world isn't magically getting better and Jesus is gonna come in for a second turn and be like, oh, you guys fixed it all. Awesome. Great, well, let's just enjoy. That's not how it goes, right? Our hope is in Christ. And as things get more difficult, it strengthens our hope. So there are ways that it strengthens our hope that are listed here. First and foremost, and I should get an amen for this, the government rests on his shoulders, Amen, right? This alone is calls for celebration of our hope in Jesus Christ in 2020. I mean, in my lifetime, I don't know of people that are more divided and against one another, that call one another brethren. Man, that are divided and against one another. We have hope and it strengthens our hope that the government rests on his shoulders. And we think about government differently than we would if we were 700 years before Christ if we are the Jewish people. We think about government as election and we think about uh, what that looks like. And four years, a term is paid. But see, I want you to think about Jesus and the government resting on his shoulder, much less like a president and more like a king. You see, it's not just a, a, a him holding up the government. It's his reign as our king. You see, a president represents a people but a people represent a king. 
We need to see Jesus reigning on his throne. And no matter what happens in politics, no matter what country you live in, United States or Nepal, I think that's all we've got here. It doesn't matter. Man, that the government rests on his shoulder. It also, our hope is strengthened by the fact that he is a wonderful counselor. Now, when we think of the word counselor, we think of the Holy Spirit, right? When, when Jesus left, he promised the Holy Spirit to come and be this great counselor. John 14 says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. See, the Holy Spirit guides us. He leads us. The Holy Spirit speaks to our lives and to our hearts. And obviously Jesus did that as well. Jesus counseled the disciples and these men and he told them what they should do and he counseled them as they walked. But I want you to know that that when we call him a wonderful counselor, it has even greater implications than just a Holy Spirit that is there advising us and counseling us and directing us it has greater implications, the idea that Jesus Christ, this son that is being born, is our great counselor, our wonderful counselor. It's that, it's that beyond that, there are legal implications to him being our counselor. There are legal implications. It is like Jesus is your attorney. You understand? Legal counsel. Yes, he counsels us and guides us, but he is our lawyer. I've never been to court Knock on wood. But, man, if you're in the courtroom, who do you want as your attorney? Jesus, thank you, Dustin. You can always sit in the front row, right? Because the truth is, at the moment, we're gonna be put on the trial of our lives and all of our sins are gonna lay before us. The wages of sin is death and what we deserve is death. And God, as the great and just Father, will look at our lives and our legal counsel is Jesus Christ. Now, I, again, I've never been sued. Don't sue me, I don't have much money. But when you're in court and you have a lawyer, you shut your mouth, correct? And your attorney speaks on your, your behalf. And when all that's laid out, all the accusations are laid before you, Jesus as your counselor stands to the judge, said, it's finished. It's been paid. The bill is done. This person is innocent. And I don't think this, that gives me goosebumps. I don't think this happens in court, but Revelation talks about the great accuser being the enemy. And it says, Jesus says, your legal counselor goes to the great accuser, snatches them up by the hair and throws them into the pits of hell. Now I think that's, I don't think that's how court goes these days. Revelation 12 says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brother and sister who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down into the depths of hell. And that is what our legal counsel looks like in Jesus Christ. He's also our mighty God. This is a declaration of the deity of Jesus Christ. There there is no questions, no qualms, no considerations, no wondering. He is God. He is mighty God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, Alpha and Omega. He is God. He is our everlasting Father. Not just our earthly Father, but our eternal Father. 
Barrett, if you ask Barrett today, he's a kindergartner, what he wants to be when he grows up, he will tell you he wants to be a dad. He's like, I can't wait to be a dad. It is awesome. If you ever, yeah, it's awesome because he will grow out of that one day. And he says, when I get to be a dad, I'm gonna have a knife. I'm like, you're right, buddy. When you're a dad, you can have a knife. He says, when I be a dad, we're gonna be friends. I'm like, buddy, we're friends now. He can't wait to be a dad. Isn't that so sweet? I'm slowly losing the battle to Trey. Because he's like, when I be, when I'm a dad, can I play the drums like Trey? I'm like, sure, buddy, you can play the drums. He's like, when I'm a dad, he said, can I get an earring like Trey? He's like, when you're a dad, you can get an earring like Trey, buddy. But you see, my fathership over Barrett will end. And I pray to God for my children every day that they know Jesus Christ. And I pray that one day I will be able to look at Barrett and I'll call him brother. Because while I'm his earthly father, Jesus is his eternal father. And everyone thinks their dad's the best. Either you think your dad's the best or you think he's the worst. There's no in between. No one ever says, eh, he's all right. But we can all, my dad is clapping. But we can all agree that our eternal father is the best, right? No one stands his way. Everlasting father. And finally, he is the prince of peace. And so the worship team is gonna come back up here and close us in a song where we sing about all of our hope being in Jesus. And finally it closes with, man, we are strengthened by him being the Prince of Peace. I've said this before and I'll say it again, that peace is not the absence of chaos. Peace is the presence of Christ. And so I want us to consider where is our peace? And I promise you friends, and I wanna challenge you, engage. Engage, engage, engage. I'm desperate for you to engage with the Lord during this season. So let's stand. I'm going to pray. And man, let us just worship for the hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.